0: Every company should be built as a product to sell. The company itself is the product. That's what we talk about today with Michael E. Gerber, author of the E-Myth series of books. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Magic Jack for Business. Uh, you own a small business, you know the phone is your lifeline. Uh, Magic Jack for Business is a really cool way to get phone service reliability for a lot less money. It starts at $14.99 per line, there's no nickel and dime. I mean, you get all kinds of powerful features. So, because you're a listener, you're going to get two free months of service when you sign up at Magic Jack forbusinesscom slash duct tape. So that's just magicjackforbusiness.com slash duct tape. Be one of the first to sign up and you'll get a phone free too. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance, and my guest today is Michael E. Gerber. Many of you know him as the author of the wildly popular e-myth series of books and point of view, uh, including a book we're going to talk about today called Beyond the E-Myth, The Evolution of an Enterprise, From a Company of One to a Company of One Thousand. Now, some of you may also uh, know, because I talk about it a lot, the influence that that, uh, Michael has had on my work, including writing the foreword for my very first book, uh, Duct Tape Marketing. So, Michael, uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks, John. Delighted to talk to you. We haven't talked very much lately. No, it's been a while. In fact, the last time I saw you was a couple of years ago in somewhere in Canada, I think Toronto at a uh, a conference. Um, but uh you're right. I'm 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 still crisscrossing the country as uh, as I know you are as well. So hopefully we we will uh rectify that in person. Well, let's do it intentionally yeah. rather than accidentally. <laughs> well, that's that's a good concept, isn't it? <laughs> so we're going to dive into your new book, but there's uh, one of the first things that hit me, and I've been saying this for years. I know you've been saying this uh, for years, but people still don't believe it. Um, and that is that every business is essentially the same. Now, when you tell business owners that, uh, particularly when they are quite certain that n- nobody does anything like them, you know w- what kind of reaction do you get? <laughs> well, the same reaction you get,
1: <laughs> Incredulity, <laughs> meaning they, they look at me like I don't really get it. <laughs> Um, That, in fact, their business is unique because they're unique, because their people are unique, and on and on and on and on. And, you know, you have to deal with that thought process that you've got to engage people in to understand the universal reality of every um, organization on the planet. And once you begin to look at it from up there down, something shifts. And it's that shift I know you always look for with um, individuals you work on behalf of, and it's that shift I've been looking for continuously for the past forty years doing the work that we do. It's a hard shift
0: to get people to make. One of the things that you know I've I've you know I'm going on my third decade actually of of business, and uh, you have gone on certainly. Uh, a little more than that, even, and uh, certainly, we both know business owners that have had businesses for you know that period of time, and so much has changed around them. I mean, how how do you counsel people to deal with the fact? I mean, we were talking off air about the internet. Well, it didn't exist really as as such an important element ten years ago. So, how does that impact this idea of scaling a business?
1: Well, it, it's it's obviously a piece of it. Um, the problem being that. Um, we don't understand, uh, the vast majority of us in this world of commercial enterprise, we confuse the details with the um, strategic reality that, in fact, all of this time that stuff's been changing, the Internet and all the components that um, we can speak about technologically related to um, e-commerce and so forth and so forth and so forth. All this time that all of this stuff has been changing, you might say, as I think of it, as the tools of the trade. The major shift hasn't happened. And the major shift is the shift of mindset. of All of these guys who are focused on the tools of the trade as though the tools of the trade are really what the trade is all about. And they missed The big thing, which is, what is it that a Steve Jobs saw, other than the tools of the trade, that made him such a profoundly, passionately, evocative entrepreneur, when he didn't have any of the skills that one would think one would need in order to create a tech company? He wasn't an engineer. He wasn't, I mean, I could go on and on and on. He had no experience in business. Um, Just like Ray Kroc had no experience in business. He was a peddler of malted milk machines. He was 52 years old when McDonald's came before him. So what is it that, in fact, I continue to say, and why is it I continue to say it? And I'm certain because we're so much aligned with each other philosophically that it's the universals that count and the universals that count haven't changed at all. And so since the universals haven't changed, then the great um, leap that I'm suggesting anyone who enters this realm of a commercial enterprise can effectively soar beyond anything anyone else is doing, but only by grappling with the universals rather than with the tactical, with, rather than with the tools. The tools, the tools, the tools, yeah, they're all relevant, but without that seismic picture in one's mind and heart, the tools are irrelevant. One of the universals. all oh, they
0: do all they do is get you to yeah 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 they're, they're- do it do it do it do it. <laughs> the ends the one of the universals that I know you speak a lot about and and you know this this to me is a mindset shift for a lot of people um, and and I heard you in an interview with a mutual friend John Morlo uh, talk about uh, uh, and I can't remember if he asked this question or if this was a statement from you but that every company should be built as a product. To sell and that that from the ground up, you know, that's the mindset shifter. That's the point of view and I suggest that very few are
1: Very few are very few ever will be But absolutely truly It's the theme underlying my new book beyond the e-myth the evolution of an enterprise from a company of one to a company of 1,000 and that is to every entrepreneur their company their invention their enterprise is really a company being created for sale because ultimately um, there's an exit strategy, and every single one of us has to come to grips with that, but not later but way way before, preferably at the very outset of the company
0: you know one of the challenges, and i 'll throw this back that I think a lot of companies, particularly some companies at scale, you know founder had a great idea, a dream, a vision you know, went at it and did something that nobody else did or saw this thing took off. Uh, I'll use Google as an example. You know, a couple of people that were trying to solve a problem they had created this way to look at the Internet in a way that nobody else was. And, and 15 years later, they're, you know, they've got a billion dollar, multi, multi-billion dollar um, venture that's doing things that I can't imagine they even dreamed were possible. Um, you know, how does, you know, so obviously, that's an extreme example, but but surely those two founders didn't sit there and say, we're going to build this to sell. Well, you know, it's not a question of whether they did or they didn't. Right. In short, it's irrelevant
1: whether they did or they didn't. I'm essentially saying you must. And so let's forget about Google for the moment. It's obviously a company for sale, continuously, a great monster of a company that was born out of the pursuit of something that they couldn't quite articulate (laughs) until it became a reality and began to emerge into the Google we know today. And I'm essentially saying that let's talk about all the little guys. Let's not talk about Google for the moment. Because anybody could say, yeah, but Michael, yeah, but Michael, yeah, but nobody really knows what was going on in their head when they started this. But I can absolutely guarantee you it was big, meaning whatever was going on in their head, it was bigger than a bread box. It was big. It was um, a movement toward something um, bordering on the infinite just as it was with Steve Jobs, just as it was with Ray Kroc, just as it was with uh, Mary Kay Ash and Mary Kay Cosmetics, just as, in short, it was huge. And so effectively, I'm saying to every little guy, and I don't mean they're little, the guy isn't little, I'm saying their perception of reality is little, and what's absolutely critical at the very beginning of every single one of those companies, and I'm suggesting that every single one of those small, tiny, little companies have to think beyond where they are to engage in this dialectic that we're engaged in in order to discover something way beyond their comfort zone. And I'm also suggesting that the vast majority of them never go beyond their comfort zone, and that's why I call them technicians suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, a company of one, which effectively is, defined as a company which depends upon the owner. Google doesn't depend upon the owner. (laughs) Google is Google is Google is Google. Um, Apple doesn't depend upon the owner. Apple is Apple is Apple is Apple. Now, you might say the owner had that prime influence in shaping the direction of the company as obviously Jobs did, as obviously the Google boys do, but effectively I'm saying, once that's in place, and it can only be in place for just a little bit, but once that's in place, you're in a completely different game. I've been attempting to get every little guy to play a different game. And when I've been successful at doing that, and you know this as well, John, when you've been
0: successful at doing that, everything changes. So, so let me ask you this, um, you know, jobs as we know them today, um, employment, as we know today, I think is going to be very different. It, it has changed dramatically. Um, sh- should should everyone today start a business, in your opinion? And again, I I, I know halfway a direction you could go with this, uh, um, uh, that, that certainly a lot of people aren't built for it. But just from a, a, a sort of practical standpoint, is that the path people should take?
1: Yeah, well, I want to awaken the entrepreneur in everyone. I
0: have, this, I have this
1: saying that if we're born in the image of God, and we're told we are, if we're born in the image of God, then we're born to create. And if we're born to create and there is a God, then we're born to create a world fit for God, and we don't know how to do that. So I'm suggesting there's a process that we can engage every single human being on the planet in for the purpose of doing that, creating something that in fact is transformational within his or her own personal community, what I call an economy of one, to go beyond an economy of one to economy of plenty, to in fact have a transformational impact economically, socially spiritually um, on their world and I'm saying that is a primary source of energy for every single person who is deprived of energy, that creative energy that we're talking about and because they're deprived of it simply shrink to fit shrink to fit the status quo shrink to fit small rather than Grow and in the process deprive themselves of
0: experiencing life to the fullest so we're going to talk I want to talk a little bit about the process because you have it broken down in a set of steps um, but if somebody is is picking up your book they're listening to this message but they've you know they've been in business a while they've, they are where they are um and and maybe like you said that's you know they're stuck in a job rather than owning a business or being an entrepreneur um can can you know, do they have to break something <laughs> in order to, to change uh, yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, they they do have to break something, and the only thing they really have
1: to break though is their perception of reality. Yeah. And so understand when I talk about the dream, the vision, the purpose and the mission, which I think of as the strategic elements of Beyond the E myth, the strategic elements are critical. And it's engaging in those strategic elements, the dreamer, the thinker, the storyteller, the leader. What I think of is the entrepreneurial mindset, not because you own a company, but the entrepreneurial mindset because you own a life. In short, you've been given a gift called a life, which you can do something with, but only if you break free of the status quo thinking that limits and inhibits almost everybody to live solely in what I think of as their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the thing you break is your need to remain comfortable. And that means to shatter everything you might believe by simply beginning with a blank piece of paper and beginner's mind. That's the logic underlying beyond the e-myth, a blank piece of paper and beginner's mind, new co rather than old code. We're not here to fix a broken business. No longer. We've let that go um, several years ago. We're no longer here to fix a broken business. We're here to create a new one.
0: So in Beyond the E-Myth, then, um, again, most founders you know, certainly are keepers of the story or of the vision, but they also do everything else um, in a lot of cases. So, right. so how would you describe the founder's job in a Beyond the E-Myth world?
1: Well, in beyond the e-myth, the founder's job is one job and one job only, and it's prepare your company for sale. Hmm. So from the very beginning of your company called NewCo, now I'm splitting um, the attention here. Uh, one part of me focuses on OldCo. Another part of me focuses on NewCo. I stopped trying to fix OldCo to make it better, and I now devote most of my creative and innovative attention on Nuco to make it what it in fact is being called to become. And in order for that to happen, um, to discover what it's called to become, I have to awaken the entrepreneur within. And that entrepreneur within is the dreamer, the thinker, the storyteller, the leader. The dreamer has a dream, the thinker has a vision, the storyteller has a purpose, and the leader has a mission. And while this might sound like grand rhetoric. It ain't rhetoric at all. It's the practice one has to engage in to go beyond where you are. That's what we're attempting to help people to do. And what I've done with Beyond the E-Myth is to make it simple. It's only eight steps. And the first four strategic steps are my dream, my vision, my purpose, and my mission. Mm -hmm. We've got to pay dutiful attention to what those four things mean. And my next four steps are putting them into practice. The job, the practice, the business, the enterprise. So I've created a process out of this, John, which, of course, is a system. And the minute we begin to work utilizing that process, something significantly different occurs in the mind of the people we're working with. Of course, they've got to take that first step, that trust step which says, okay, Gerber, I'll I'll, I'll believe you, at least for the moment. And so I invite them to come join us in what I call the new dreaming room. Right now, I'm delivering the new dreaming room. I just led my first, um, not that long ago. And I'm going to be leading my second on March 3rd, 4th, and 5th. What happens in that new dreaming room is the discovery of the dream, the vision, the purpose and the mission and why they're so critical to anything else you're going to do. Then they get to participate in the process in order to determine what their client fulfillment system is, their client acquisition system is, their turnkey management system is, and their turnkey leadership system is, growing from a job to an enterprise. And in the process, building the scalability that's critical for it to be sold. In short, I'm saying you start this process anew from the very first moment that we have that conversation from a blank piece of paper in beginner's mind. And everything changes.
0: Speaking with Michael Gerber, author of Beyond the E Myth, and Michael, I want to finish up with one um, kind of last thought. And and you've mentioned the word leadership a number of times. And uh, if I've seen a company or companies that are trying to grow struggle, um, this is the area they seem to struggle the most when they scale because things change, roles change. Um, they're dealing with more people now, and and it does seem like to me. Even though people talk about marketing being you know, the missing ingredient in a lot of cases, I think actually leading people is the hardest part for most founders.
1: Well, it, it is, yes. But we're one to um, discover um, what I mean by the dream, the vision, the purpose, and the mission. We're one to found their company upon the belief system that's critical for them to be able to communicate to people using a process by which they engage them in what they're here to do, you suddenly have a medium of communication that is non-existent in 99% of all the companies. And that's the leadership's role. And so leadership is, in this case, communication at a strategic important, significant level. It's missing in every small business I've ever walked into. And it's critical that an individual come into relationship with that conversation. I call it the storyteller. The storyteller is absolutely crucial. If the dreamer, the thinker have done their work, to go on to creating a mission that people can engage in.
0: It's interesting listening to you talk about the storyteller because that's probably the hottest concept in marketing right now is this idea of, of telling the public story um, in a way that, that engages people. And I, and I think that most people struggle with that if they don't have the internal story.
1: Well, absolutely. If they don't have the internal story, they can't have an external story. If they don't have an external story, they can't have an internal story. So the two are absolutely critical to each other, but not as a device. Right. So understand, John, that's the critical difference. I'm not describing this as a device. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning if you do this, then you get that. It's not a device at all. It's at the heart of the meaning of an enterprise. I just watched the movie Steve Jobs for the third time. (laughs) And when he spoke to um, in a little vignette within that movie, uh, the guy who was the head of PepsiCo to attract him to become the CEO of Apple, obviously a terrible mistake. But when he did that, he described the story underlying Apple. And when you go back to that movie and watch him, the younger Steve Jobs, with Scully, telling him that story, and Scully said, I'm on, um, you understand what I mean by it.
0: Yeah, there's there's no ability to create a good story. A story just is, isn't it? But uh, uh, to your point about a device. So, Michael, um, where can people find out more about Beyond the E-Myth and the Dreaming Rooms that you talked about? I, 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 know, I assume MichaelEGerber.com, but uh, you've also got some other assets out there, don't you?
1: Yeah, they got to go, John, they got to go to um, wwwbeyonde Beyondemith.com, they'll get everything. Okay. They'll yeah. know exactly what's available. And they'll also be able to get a $1.99 version of
0: the book. In Kindle. In Kindle. Yeah, great. And we'll have that in the show notes um, as well. So, well, Michael, always great to uh, catch up with you. It, uh, it's uh, very impressive, the continuation of your work uh, into uh, into this new uh, enterprise, so to speak, version. And, and really, I, I think, an important message for all business owners. So thanks so much, as always. And hopefully we uh, will catch up with you out there on the road. Super, John. Be well.